0: Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC Podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 19 of 2021, which means it's officially the month of May. Happy Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, Happy Star Wars Day, and Happy Cinco de Mayo. For our astute listeners, yes, on the last podcast, I did say it was the year 2011. That was a total accident and just goes to show where has the time gone? I'm Chris Lloyd, and with me, I have the
1: no longer airborne, Brian Deach. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's uh, fresh back from the Raptor assault in Tule, uh, Utah. And if I'm not here next week, it's because I did something very, very stupid off-road. Also, my lifetime stats are pretty average until you move over to the Rockstars Consumed column. And someone who hasn't
0: been airborne for almost a year now, Glenn Medina. Hey, everyone. Welcome back,
2: and thank you for joining us. Happy to be back for podcast number eight. You know, I lead a pretty dull life compared to my co-hosts here. As of late, the highlight of my day is writing checks to colleges for tuitions and fees. Yes, I have three young ladies all in various stages of school. And uh, it's pretty sad when the happiest when the happy day of the week is when I don't have to write a check to anyone.
1: I'm right behind you on that. I got kids going to college. I feel feel that pain already, although I haven't cut that check yet. Uh, It's terrible.
0: It's terrible, terrible, terrible. Thankfully for me, I've got a little bit of time before I have to worry about that. I'm scheduled to get my second COVID vaccine shortly, so if anything happens, I'm relying on you guys to clear my internet browser history. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Speaking of 2011, where were you guys in 2011? For me, I was starting my real deep dive into cybersecurity when I joined Iron Key, where we made the world's most secure flash drive. Believe it or not, those flash drives are still being used today.
2: Yeah, where was I in 2011?
0: I had just started out um,
2: into... A new company. I had left the one that I was working at uh, for 12 years, so it was quite a jump. And I started traveling. Uh, it was crazy the uh, the amount of travel. I did professional services for a company called Blue Coat Systems, um, and that was a crazy time, uh, good time, and it got me to you know kind of where I am right now, where it laid a lot of foundation for for the work that I'm doing now.
1: Yeah, and I was doing contracting work for couple of the big banks that are out there doing ddos protection and and uh, dns certification yeah long time ago right before i got my my start in actual security
0: all right on to our first topic a new public private partnership is tackling the problem of stopping the scourge of ransomware we made it a point to only talk about notable notable ransomware attacks on this podcast because it just happens so often now if all i did was talk about ransomware attacks this would podcast would be two hours a week easily. The public-private partnership is made up of a dream team of organizations like Amazon, Microsoft, the U.S. Department of Justice, Europool, and the UK National Crime Agency to team up. They're all looking for ways to stop ransomware. We've tried things like economic sanctions. They don't work. There are ways to bypass that. We've tried improved security controls. We found out that doesn't work. And the hackers switched to double extortion and it's just a giant game of whack-a-mole windows even tried doing this they have a a feature called controlled folder access that stops outside processes from modifying document folders that's off by default and it was largely a flop now what's it going to take to stop the scourge of ransomware tougher laws i don't know if that's really a good
2: thing though right i mean it, it's cross border and everything else so i, I yeah it, unless you hear hey a ransomware attacker was caught and put in front of a firing squad <laughs> short of that i doubt we'll, we'll actually really get anywhere with this
1: and, and even then like that's not going to stop anyone at the end of the day like the fear yeah. of death or, or prison imprisonment really doesn't work for people that are hungry and uh it really is like kind of a game of whack-a-mole now i'm not going to drop any names of uh the hotel chains but it was really interesting they had there's ability to take hotel points and reward and and convert those to like amazon prime gift cards right and uh I had a customer back in my five days where they were complaining uh, about this this fraudulent activity and it was basically just a brute force attack they're just hammering the login uh, process of the page Trying to log in. Sometimes it was credential stuffing. Sometimes it wasn't. And by the time we had mitigated the login page and stopped that that attack from happening, they went ahead and then started attacking the mobile application. Right? Like it was lucrative enough for them uh, to to uh, go after it. So it, did, it straight up didn't stop them. And it was to the degree where it had been going on for probably eighteen months. To the to, and the amount was somewhere between five to seven thousand dollars a month is what it was costing this hotel chain. So then we went back into it and then, you know, you, you look at a browser, that's easy to stop, uh, you know, uh, scripts from banging against the door and stuff like that. But when you get into, uh, you know, the mobile application security is not really top of mind. And so doing stuff like, you know, inserting some client-side JavaScript to determine if it's a user or not, doesn't always work. So you had to get creative in that. And then the part that blew my mind is once we stopped it for, for the, the front door of this website in the mobile app, the attackers gave up, and then about four days later, another hotel, hotel chain called me saying, "We are being brute forced, and we can't stop it." So the, the attackers are just like, I, "I'll start here and I'll move around, and it doesn't matter. like there was, there was no recourse by any means, right? other than just stop you know stop the bleeding, but these guys it just the or girls. You're gonna bounce from website to website and keep hounding it for as long as they can.
0: I think the analogy of like car thefts and you know convenience store thefts—they always say you don't have to be a hundred percent secure. You just have to be a little bit more secure than the than your neighbor, and then they'll go after your neighbor. That might be the case here—that you create enough security around yourself to make yourself a less attractive target. Because like you said, this is it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to continue. Security researchers will make it harder. The attackers will pivot. They'll find something new and novel to do. And it's just all about making yourself either a less attractive target or just containing that blast radius. How can I know that so I will get breached, but how do I limit the scope of that breach? How do I limit what, what they're able to access and what they're able to damage? On to our next topic... As a follow-up to last week's story about Apple's shift to an opt-in model for cross-app advertising tracking, we 100% expected companies like Facebook to push back since their entire business model is built on selling tailored advertising. For example, if I wanted to target a mattress ad to 21 to 25-year-old males recently graduated from college or university in the Chicago area and just moved or looking to move, I would immediately go to Facebook or Google. And that's because those companies, number one, they built their entire business on selling these ads. And number two, they're gigantic data collection and data analytics firms that I can't go to basically any other advertiser. I have to go to one of these advertisers to get such tailored access to this demographic that I'm, I'm looking for. As a result of that, Facebook and Instagram in, with their, their apps on the iPhone, they started showing alerts to users that, that say, you're going to get a choice soon. You're going to either have to allow cross-app ad tracking or you're, you're going to have the ability to block it. And they warn users, if you block us, we might have to start charging you. So Facebook and Instagram are going that far and threatening users that they might have to start paying for the service if they don't allow this tracking to happen yeah it's an
2: interesting uh discussion you know it's we were it's kind of odd we were i was talking with my family about this at dinner last night where i was talking about uh this exact thing where we could turn off or i was going to show them how to turn off cross ad tracking um on their phones in order to um to uh to, to stop that and my youngest uh she was like uh, yeah, that's yeah. It's kind of weird, right? The fact that I could be talking on, you know, with my friends, and my phone's not even on, and I start looking at shoes because we're talking about cer- uh, a certain shoe brand. And she said it was so weird because it's very specific to the shoe brand that she was talking about—not just shoes in general, but the brand of shoes they were talking about. And I almost asked, you know, her, was it the specific? type, you know, that you were the, the model that you were looking at. And she was, and I mean, I was like, God, this is just really weird. And my wife kind of, she's weird. She's a, uh, she's a nurse. So technology to her is just really far gone, even though we're the same age. Um, and she was like, they can do that. <laughs> I was like, oh my honey. Yeah. Yeah. That that's really easy. And she was like, well, how do they do that? And I was like, well, you know, you, you turn your phone on, you accept the you accept the clause to use the phone, so yeah, they they have access, and that's why we were talking about you know shutting that that piece off. Um, and then you know, long discussion. It was an hour discussion about that, about how how weird that was. And then after dinner, you know, fast forward an hour, we watched the social dilemma, right? And it really opened our eyes. You know, not not my eyes, their eyes on holy crap, how are we being manipulated to things that are going on right now? And how scary is that? (laughs) So one of the things that we walked away from, you know, last night's uh, last night's conversation was we really need to shut our phone down. I mean, like turn it off at times when we're eating dinner um, and start limiting our time on some of these social network aspects to maybe, you know, three hours a day. And really get to the point where this stuff is, you know, when it's important enough that, you know, the ding on our phone makes us happy, we've got to stop that, right? And because we're being advertised to for, you know, for, for a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, great conversations last night. I, I, and I need to go forward and I need to send them the link to this, Chris. Thanks for putting that out on how to shut down cross-ad um, advertisement.
0: I think we're almost trained like pavlov now that our 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 smartphones you know replace dog food with with smartphones and those alerts that they give you and we're we're just constantly checking it i think the the stat was and this is a couple years ago like you pick up your phone 160 times a day i'm sure that number has gone up now and apple actually gives you a way to to track that because this this has become an addiction this has become a social problem if you asked me 10 years ago if I would pay you know $1 or 5 or $10 a month for Facebook, now I likely would have agreed. I, I think it was a way of bringing people together. It was a social network reconnecting with people that I lost uh, touch with and seeing what, what they're up to. But after all the Cambridge Analytica debacles, the repeated failures to remove abusive and harassing content, and Facebook intentionally amping up tensions politically, uh, Glenn, nice shout out on, on the Social Dilemma on Netflix. Go definitely do go watch that if, if you haven't already. It's it's really eye opening. I'd
1: rather delete them
0: than than pay for them.
1: I, I'm on the same page as you guys. Like I am like Django and Chained up in this mofo, right? I'm gonna sign my own freedom papers. No more social media. Let's go. And uh, you know, good call out as well on Social Dilemma. We watched that as a family and I used to be of the mind like, Hey, maybe I just I should get like a Faraday cage, throw our phones in there, but Glenn, you hit the nail on the head. We should turn it off, and uh, reverse engineering um, the the social media app uh, TikTok. Uh, the one thing that I that is abundantly clear is that even if it was thrown into like a Faraday cage, if it was sitting there listening, in, in some cat uh, some some form or capacity, they have so many uh, fail saves to make sure that when it can connect back, that is going to send that information out there, whether you wanted to or not.
2: Yeah. And, and Brian, it's kind of odd because I went back last night and I was looking to see what recording devices we had in the house. And I've got a couple Echo Dots. And did you know that you can go back in history and look at or listen to the audio that's recorded and kept on the Amazon on Amazon.com? So it was like, holy cow, it was like, I remember seeing that a while back. And I and so I went back in a couple of the recordings. Now, some of the recordings, it was triggered by me saying Siri or saying something like Sarah or was it Alexa or something like that. And then it would say, hey, what's going on? Um, and then it would just quickly record and quickly turn off. But the idea that those little comments where it triggered the, the device to start recording was interesting to say, you know, that, it did capture A lot of the recordings that were just happening in the house, just passive
1: discussions. I think you can opt out of those saved recordings as well. in in the app, it's been a while since I looked at it. Um, the other thing that I, I noticed, like with the whole, like your, your daughter saying, Hey, you know, we're talking about something that I have a very specific ad showing up. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been at the gym on the treadmill, taking a breather, open up my Facebook and, and start scrolling. Right. And, I was blown away one time where the guy behind me shown up, showed up as a person I might know due to the proximity of us. I have no idea who Homeboy was, but it came up in my feed. And I, now I'm like, I'm thinking about this. It's only a matter of time before uh, the, the people that I was out four-wheel driving with that are complete strangers to me are going to probably show up in my feed, right? And that's just, again, it's proximity. And they're just going to start suggesting things.
0: Yeah, Brian. I have a really similar story. We, uh, it was probably two years ago at our our sales kickoff, and we, we have a, a colleague here that I, I I know of him. I talk to him, but I've never texted him. I don't have his number in my phone book, and I never really interact with him. I don't even really email him. And We went out to dinner maybe two of the nights we were out at, at sales kickoff, and then um, sure enough, on the third night, he shows up as somebody who I might know on Facebook, and I had no other interaction with him on my phone whatsoever. We communicated through a, a mutual coworker. And I think that was probably the breaking point for me. It's just, all right, I got to get this app off my phone. I'm being tracked. This is really creepy. And I don't get enough benefit out of it to allow them to, to, to keep tracking me.
1: Glenn, did anyone in your family have the attitude of like, so what? Like, I just want to be able to go on Snapchat or, or uh, TikTok or Instagram?
2: No, I I think it raised the idea, the the thought with them that you know that they are being watched. I, I, I didn't get the so what. It did raise eyebrows. I don't know necessarily know if how concerned they are about it today. You know, twenty four hours later after talking about it, that's 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 alarming to me, right? So I'm gonna send them this link. You know that would, that uh, we're gonna share, and I'm gonna see if they actually turn it on. So being like I said interesting to see if they do or if they do and 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 pay attention to that
0: all right on to our next story today is world password day which is a reminder for all users out there to practice good password hygiene always use complex passwords with uppercase lowercase numbers and special characters do not use the same password on multiple websites use a password manager if you have to and we reviewed a bunch of them in episode two some security experts are hoping that this is the last world password day as companies begin shifting to multi-factor authentication, hardware tokens, and biometrics. That's because phishing attacks are becoming more sophisticated and now it's almost trivial to steal someone's username and passwords. Numerous studies show that credential theft is one of the leading contributors to data breaches. And there are two specific clever phishing attacks that I want to I cover today. The first one is... Some uh, a clever phishing campaign wants to mimic microsoft 's logo and when you think about Microsoft logo and what what it looks like today it 's a two by two matrix and it 's just four colored squares pretty simple, pretty straightforward now email filters are are taught and trained to look for things like the Microsoft logo that don't show up on websites like microsoft.com and they can flag that as a phishing site Well this phishing campaign uses a two by two table matrix, so you think of an Excel sheet, a two, by two two cells by two cells, and they just color the cells to make it look like the Microsoft logo. And that will actually defeat a lot of the anti-phishing mechanisms out there because it's, it's a table, it's a table of colors, it's not a Microsoft logo. So they're able to defeat that. The other technique is to use uh, HTML5 iframes, where if you're on a website and they have a Login with Facebook button, you can click that Login with Facebook button and a very convincing Facebook login prompt shows up, and you think it's a new window, and you think that's leading to facebook.com, but it's actually an iframe on the same web webpage that's tr- that tricks a user into thinking it's a separate window, but it's actually the same window. So there's a little bit of social engineering involved there, but after you enter your Facebook credentials in there, they get sent off to the attacker.
2: Yeah, so here, here's one for you, right? So let's say chase.com, and I saw this the other day, where it's like, hey, you got a link, and it looks like the letter A in Chase, but it's like a Cyrillic A, and it actually sends you to another website. That's another form of phishing, right? That seems to be right in line. A um, couple of things that it's those Unicode characters. Yeah, that's uh, they're getting pretty creative now because I, I I had to do I did a double take. I was looking at it going. Chase.com. It looks the same, and you look at the the A, and you're like, "Oh man, that is like really creative." Like the the average person, my parents would probably never know that, right? So, you know, hence I turned on you know two factor authentication for all their the, all their banking things. Um, but yeah, uh, other other things that bring this up, right? Is you know complex passwords. You know, I have them, uh, and, and it's like. I thought we were going away from the complex passwords to like more like phrases if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. And maybe we've taken the turn and I forgot the memo that we went back to complex passwords versus long phrases or whatnot. Um, Chris, help me out with that. Am I wrong? Am I, or, or Brian, am I wrong? Did I, did I miss that memo on complex passwords versus
0: phrases or long phrases? As long as it's something that you can remember. As long as it's long, and as long as it has, you know, the, the complexity, like capitalize every letter and, and throw a number or throw a symbol at the very end. I think it's uh, that's fine. The guidance to use phrases was to prevent people from writing passwords down to make it more easily rememberable. Because if the password's too complex, you go backwards in security because someone's gonna write it on a post-it yeah. and stick it under their keyboard yeah and
1: and people are gonna be a little predictable <clears throat> with the phrase right we're gonna if it's the letter h we'll substitute that with letter four the eyes will be a bang, and so on and so forth i think uh one of the cooler things that I've seen recently and it made me think of like my dad trying to send me like an attachment where it's just, like it's the it's the file path to the image but it's not actually the attempt, the image attached to the uh uh to the uh to the email. And it's one where C colon backslash user yeah yeah. <laughs> but the the attackers have in oh, this is this was kind of crazy. So the attackers have done this thing where I will so in in the body of the email they're going to put a UNC file path there. Now your browser. If it's on Windows, it's going to say it loads it up and it's going to say, "Oh, I need to go ahead and retrieve this file." So the U, the UNC is like to some IP address, going to brandeach.com forward slash blah blah blah. I have a server there that is going to basically ask for your Kerberos ticket, right? So then it comes in, it hits my my device, I capture the Kerberos ticket, and then I do a rainbow table against that to extract both your username and password. Uh, as an alternative method right so you didn't have literally you had you did nothing other than you open the email in the background it tries to retrieve it sends me the kerberos ticket i bang against that in the background meanwhile you didn't really do anything malicious at all microsoft fixed this in in office 365 but i have to venture a guess that there's probably some other clients out there that are susceptible to this type of attack
0: and again that relies on people updating their software which is The old argument, software on my computer versus software in the cloud, the cloud's always updated, it's always got the latest security patches, software on the computer has to be manually patched and you have to have a good patch management uh, system and some users will just click delay, delay, delay until you just force them to reboot and then they get all mad because you rebooted and they were in the middle of something and says, hey, you could be secure or you you could be productive.
1: Does anyone else get like violently mad like when you log into like an IoT device and it's like, "Would you like to update?" Yes, I would like to. Like, I don't even want to be prompted. I just want you to do it in the background. You're an Epson printer. You mean nothing to me. Just stay up to date and call it a day. Same thing with like a, the, some of the, uh, the the smart TVs. Like, just do it. Like, don't waste my time. And, and by the way, do it when I'm not trying to watch TV or print
0: something off. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the problem and what, what people fear because auto-updates by default, that's a good thing because things will stay secure and there's always what people call the tyranny of default. If I have to go out and grab an update, I'm just never going to do it. Like yeah. like We're a little more conscious of, of things like that. I update my NAS, I update my router, I update my computer. But a lot of people don't. Yeah. And you'll go to someone's house and the router will be on a firmware revision like five years old. And, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to update. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's definitely that, that tyranny of the default there. Uh, but but that's why it's not on by default. If it is a router and I'm in a in a Zoom meeting, I don't want this thing rebooting in the middle of my my customer meeting. Uh, I'd like to have it a time and a choice, but maybe having scheduled hours that I think that'd be a good compromise. Yeah.
2: Hey, just going back to biometrics, right? Uh, I, I just want to go back. So he, here's here's the issue that I have. The iPhones now have a biometric where you can look at your look at your face and you register your face. So I've got three daughters, right? Three daughters. I, I put four, but three kids. Um, child one has biometrics. They all have biometrics set up. Child one and child two. Child two can open up child one's phone with her face. Child three can open up child two's phone with her face. And I, I can't remember if... And I think one can open up three. So it's kind of this tag team where they all do. And what's what's even funnier than that is that my phone will be on the desk and my my wife will be like, hey, can I use your phone real quick? And she'll take my thumb while I'm sitting there and just push it against the phone and unlock my phone. So as, bi- as great as biometrics are, there's some uh, there's some ways around this, right? So I, I'm, I, I'm just laughing because... How did how did we get this by where uh, you know, I've got three kids and each one can l- unlock the other phone, but not necessarily unlock their own, you know another the other phone. So it's uh, it's it's weird in that sense, and I don't know what the algorithm is for that, but it's close, I guess, but close enough. Who knows? So
1: didn't didn't they set up like alternative um, appearances in iOS, like at least on like the ten in greater or something like that, or, or maybe it was iPhone eleven where you can have at least two faces that can unlock a phone and that's it i would i would check that i'm really curious
2: yeah no this is set up where it's only there's only one face that's been set up for that Wow. so yeah yeah and and it's not the first time i've heard this i've heard siblings before because you know the kids play volleyball and they're talking about how the younger siblings can unlock the older the older kids phone and the older kids a little upset about it so strange but it'd be interesting to see how much of that happens
1: we ha- we have a mutual coworker that his daughter printed out his face on a piece of paper and tried to use that to unlock his phone. <laughs> did it work? No. <laughs> it did not work, no. Good try, yeah. though, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a joke in here that I could make, but I'm going to refrain from, from doing that. Uh, but But one of the things that I found surprising, and I don't know if Apple added this or not. I have to check. I don't think they have, is the... The true two-factor authentication that i can unlock it with my face and then i can unlock it with a code like it requires both like instead of just relying on one single factor uh, i guess at that point you should just use pin code well no i guess you could still use both but yeah i'm surprised apple hasn't done that yet that that they would require both uh, a face and uh, like a biometric which is something you are and then pin something you know yeah
2: it it and here's one right um we're in covid i've had i had the iphone xr right and it's 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 biometric to my face and i got tired of having to put my face my mask down while i'm out or or put my mask down or having to type so i actually traded phones with my youngest daughter so that way i could go back to her iphone 8 and just use the thumbprint, the, the thumb recognition, the, the fingerprint recognition. Because I got tired of, home button, yeah, I, yeah, I just got tired of having to put my mask down. So I, someone was telling me that you could register the phone with just the mask, and I tried, and it, it doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah, so on 14.5, they added a feature that will allow you to unlock a phone if you're wearing a mask and you have your Apple Watch on and unlocked. So it's all part of that Apple ecosystem that if, you, if your watch is on and unlocked and you try to unlock it with your mask on, it will allow you to, there's a setting that says unlock with mask on. And if you turn that on, it'll, it'll actually unlock with the mask now.
2: Deeper into the Borg you go. <laughs> you will be assimilated.
1: Glenn, I think you need to record your kids unlocking their phones and like put it up on YouTube. I think you're sitting on a million dollar viral video. i think once that gets out people are going to be blown away
0: okay (laughs) i gotta go try that on tiktok for them then all right our last topic is going to be a rotating segment and this week's topic is what was supposed to be the next big thing but totally flopped and i'll go first for me it was anything google except for search and youtube and just off the top of my mind i can think of google glass Google Wave, Google Plus, Google Fiber, I would say, to an extent as well. Like That still hasn't been rolled out to where I am. And that thing's been out for over, over a decade now. And I want that gig speed internet, but I don't know if it's just too much red tape in my municipality. But I've never gotten Google Fiber out here. Uh, and these were supposed to be revolutionary things. you know, Google Wave, Google Plus, the next Facebook, the next MySpace, the next social media platform, and Totally flopped.
1: Yeah, it feels like they I don't know what they do as far as design, but they they miss the mark every single time when it comes to especially like social media. The Google Plus and Google Meet, like it's this it was it was terrible. And I think uh the biggest flop that I can re- recall didn't that didn't even hit the market was the AirPower from from Mac. Remember they were supposed or Apple. It was supposed to be that one uh, flat device you throw all your your watch and your phone and your AirPods and it just seamlessly uh, charges all through them at the same time. I don't know that that actually ever came out.
2: Maybe people were getting cancer from that, and they realized it wasn't a good side effect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that that looked really promising. And then I, th- I think it was the, the the technology just doesn't exist where it wouldn't be a gigantic fire hazard.
1: So it it never actually went to market, right?
0: That's correct. Yeah. The, the mock ups during one of the keynotes was as far as it got.
1: Huh. Huh. Dang, what a yeah, miss. I,
0: I I go further
2: back and I'm looking at like the Zoom. Do you remember the Zoom, the Microsoft Zoom? It was supposed, oh, yeah, to, be it was burned, supposed to be the iPod killer. It was supposed killer. to be the iPod killer and then it never really went anywhere. <laughs> and then let's fast forward that just a little bit and let's go with the Microsoft Windows OS based phone. I, I thought it was actually really good. And then you realize that. It probably would have I'll take that back. It probably would have been really great if they had a touchscreen that was just as good as the iPhone. And I think that's where they really missed the mark is they, they used cheap products, which um, didn't allow it to succeed or didn't give it a chance to succeed. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> My brother-in-law... Still has the a Microsoft Zoom. He's got the video one to this day. He he got it when he was deployed in Iraq, and it, I mean it's it, it's still I can't believe it still works. But yeah, it, it, he goes, it's one of my favorite devices. I, it's almost like the the buy it for life. He might be the only person in the world that still uses a Zoom. I
2: <laughs> <laughs> Adventure, I guess that's correct. It's probably because I'll I, I'll be honest. It's probably because it was easy to upload music to. Right? Is you could take a file. And you could literally dump it into a folder um, and it's there. Whereas, you know, if you look at the the iPods of, uh, you know, of, of that time, it was like, oh, I got to use this application. Oh, I've got to, it gets encoded. And then all of a sudden, where is this music? It's disappeared somewhere on the device. And if you try and pull it back out, it's like, what do you mean I can't pull it back out? I got to go get some third-party software to rip that thing back out again,
0: which is weird. <laughs> so yeah, going back to the the Windows phone, Glenn, I want to I guess put a an asterisk there because looking at it through the lens of of us as Americans, I think the windows phone was was definitely a flop. Uh, I think it actually did really well internationally because oh. I remember when when that came out, and you know we were develop- uh, the company I worked for was developing an app. Like we were just constantly pinged. like can you build an app for the Windows phone? And it only came from our international customers and our international audience that I, I think Windows Phone was fairly successful overseas. And I think it has to do with the price point that it was at. And here in the US, we, we had those carrier subsidies, you know, sign up for a two-year contract, we'll give you 200 bucks off. And that was unheard of anywhere else in the world. Like the phones in the rest of the world, they were unlocked. You had to pay full price for them. And I think that's why the, the iPhone struggled out of the gate in, in the rest of the world but I think Windows Phone actually did fairly well internationally, and our international listeners can confirm that for us or not. Yeah, I mean, you go back to the price of a phone now, there's there's hardly any more
2: subsidies for them. And, you're you, I mean, we're spending 6 7 a $1, $1,000, $1,200 for a phone, and some people are swapping these things out every year, every two years. I can't do it. No, I, I'm tapping out right now. I, that's why I've got a, an iPhone 8. <laughs> so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, it must be nice to be able to swap phones every year. Yeah, Brian, how does it feel?
1: <laughs> oh boy, I don't uh, swap phones every year. I stopped to uh, shoot. I think it went from the, the 10 to the 12. I, I skipped the generation there. Or a couple of generations. There's the 10 and then 10X, right? Yeah, so I waited a little bit. I got tired of re-upping it all the time. It was a waste of money for a different color. And even then, like the 12, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know that it's that great. Like it takes cool night photos, but uh, I don't go outside, um, so there's that. And then my old iPhone had like the uh, like the uh, additional battery pack built into the case, and so like that thing was amazing because like like literally, I came home after traveling, and I'd still be at hundred percent. And I got this thing that I have to have on the charger all the time. It drives me nuts. Well, we continue to get
0: great comments, but our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week.
2: This week it's Glenn's turn. Yep, I'm going back to the uh, our computer roots here. So, uh, why was the network administrator late to work? Why? There was a lot of traffic congestion and even a collision. Everything was backed up. It was a hard drive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Sorry guys. <laughs> All right, to wrap things up, A new public-private partnership hopes to end ransomware as we know it. Instagram and Facebook are threatening to charge for their apps if you don't allow cross-app tracking. We celebrate World Password Day and hope this is the last one. Google has a lot of successes, but also a lot of flops. That's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. So if you know anyone else who would enjoy our podcast, please share with us with them. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCat Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Hey, Chris, thanks for reminding me to change my password this week.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Later, boys. Thanks, everyone.